0: All right, gentlemen. So question for you. Have any of you ever experienced persecution personally or anybody that you know as a result of your faith in Jesus? Have you ever felt threatened directly because of your faith in Jesus? Go.
1: Threatened with violence, I would say no. (laughs) I feel like a short... Just sweet and short, I would say there's times where I felt uncomfortable or that I wasn't necessarily as welcome because of it, Mm. but never that there was going to be violence against me.
2: Yep. Yeah, like there's definitely moments where you feel maybe a little bit embarrassed to admit Mm. your beliefs, but I can't say I've ever felt that my life was under threat.
0: Yep. So it's like debate and or apologetic as opposed to direct threat of violence to your person because of your faith. And yet, for the first number of centuries, in Christian, in the experience of the way of Jesus, this was like a, like if we were to take a time machine and sit with Stephen before his eventual death, they'd be like, yeah. are you kidding? What, like you never faced this? What? Yeah, you're probably doing something wrong. Yeah, yeah, it's a very different world that we live in for sure. Are you even living your faith if you are not persecuted? Yeah. Like, y- y'all don't kill each other? Huh.
2: <laughs> hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Common Room Podcast. I'm here with Jimmy and Garnet. My name's Dan. And today we're talking about persecution.
0: Yay.
2: Yeah. Fun <laughs> subject. It's um, not something I feel like we talk about very often at all, uh, though it can be kind of a hot-button issue. Um I guess my first question, as we read about stories of persecution in the Bible or learn about stories of persecution historically, my first question is why, why do people persecute one another? Mm. What is the, what is the perceived goal in persecuting a specific group
0: for any reason?
2: Mm. Um, yeah, I wonder what you guys think about that.
0: Can I back up your question to a pre-question of said question? Yeah. Like, it would be interesting just to talk quickly about, like, what do we mean when we say persecution? Sure. Like, yeah, yeah. just personally for each of us is, yep. like, what what pings for us? I can go first. Yep. I grew up in, uh like, I, I'm a 80s, 90s kid, right? So the satanic panic of the 80s and 90s, the, like, persecuted underground church of the 80s and 90s, which it predated that for sure, but it felt like in evangelicalism, that was like a hot, like those are the two things. It's like every piece of music that you listen to has back masking and it's moving you towards Satan. And anytime that anywhere else but North America, you share the gospel, you're going to have to do it underground. You're going to be killed for your faith, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So for me, that's the image that's uh, conjured up when I when I hear that question. What about for you guys?
2: Yeah, I think uh, I'm, a, I'm a big history buff. So I think about like the... Early church context, I think about like uh, Christians being sold into slavery and like fighting in the Colosseum and being eaten by lions. (laughs) That's uh, that is a graphic image. Yeah, yeah, that's (laughs) that. But that's what I think of.
1: Yeah, I, I think I would agree with that. Like my understanding is very much so like the upper room, like hiding from persecution, hiding from some sort of body of people that are seeking to do you physical harm or kill you. Um, because of what you believe. And I think as time has gone on and as we've gotten to a more modern context, there's a shift that has happened where we start to look at persecution as anything that makes me feel uncomfortable for my faith means that I am being persecuted for my faith. And I don't think that that's what we mean when we say religious persecution. I think that that's, that's we're we're actually invited more into that discomfort because it gives us opportunity to have conversation about it um but when we say persecution we actually mean someone intends you physical harm or to murder you yeah yeah
0: it's interesting that both of you guys went straight there it's like oh no this is a death thing yeah whereas <laughs> in my experience is like well this is like a a negating of rights and freedoms based on a religious context yeah, and I I would say that like I'd expand it beyond death for sure.
2: Like I think when you see like Paul and uh other apostles being thrown in prison, I think that constitutes persecution, certainly. Yep. Um I don't think the, the threat of death necessarily needs to be there, but I do think it's more than just I feel uncomfortable yeah. in a situation. It's like a intentional act to thwart the efforts of um evangelists of uh christians just i guess like living out their faith mm-hmm. um however that looks yep. um it's a desire to like shut down the belief system
0: yeah how it's good yeah also we don't say the, the word thwart enough Thwart. Good word oh, yes. good words yeah. yeah okay it's okay. good to say it <laughs> so back to your question yeah uh can you repeat it again yeah so
2: why, why do we, why do people persecute one another? And, you know, I, I, we could expand that question outside of the context of uh, persecution against Christians, but mm. why does anybody choose to persecute another people group? I th- just think it's kind of an interesting question to consider.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think I I won't be able to credit who said this, but uh, we fear the unknown, like we fear what we don't know. Mm. And so if we don't have the knowledge through which to see the person, the person becomes less of a person, but becomes a threat. Yeah. You know, in our economy, uh, worldwide presently and historically has been like, well, if some, like you fight fire with fire, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. Right. It's not like, uh, we don't have that knee jerk response of like, okay, I don't get, or I don't agree with, or I'm opposed to what Dan and Garnet are saying, but let's sit together and process together and do the long journey of discovery uh to better understand instead it's like you represent something that's totally counter to my ideals
1: we're done well exactly that it's it's it's, we don't believe the same thing we don't have the same values or we don't have the same viewpoint and it is far easier for me to just do away with you than it is for us to actually engage in conversation to figure out what it is the two of us can come together on
0: yeah
2: yeah, I I hear you guys on that. I think it's interesting because we there's certainly plenty of people I think all of us could point to to say, like, you know, our belief systems don't have a whole lot in common. It's very hard for me to see eye to eye with this person. And for me personally, I find it far easier just to kind of ignore those people. Yeah, just kind kind of an arm's length to like chase them down and hunt them down. Like that seems to be taking it to a whole nother level Mm. and um like fear of the unknown pings for me for sure but i think implicit in persecution there's some semblance of a threat right because it's it's not merely that um i disagree with you and therefore like you know i can potentially ignore you or we can just steer clear of each other stay out of each other's path it's like no your belief system threatens my current existence in some kind of way yep, Mm. or my lifestyle in some kind of way. Yep. And I think that that is like an important distinction when we look at persecution of Christians historically, Mm. because it wasn't simply that they had a belief system that was incompatible with the Roman way of doing things or the Greek way of doing things. It was, or the Jewish way of doing things primarily. Um, it was like, this is, uh, revolutionary. Mm-hmm. This is a revolutionary belief system and it's going to turn our society upside down if we let it take control. And I think when we look at the story that way, it's very interesting to look at this the the progression of someone like Saul later called Paul. Um because he has all these people kind of like coming to his feet and like he's he's being worshipped in a kind of way and yeah, he's
0: signing off
2: on, acts. Yeah people are like we need this guy he's our hero he's saving us from these christians from this these people of the way yep. um yeah i just think it's like yeah that's kind of a, a it's given me fresh eyes for how i look at that whole
0: well i mean story even moving beyond like dialing the volume up um beyond just ideology like when it becomes your theology or a theodicy like that's a whole different thing which mm-hmm. i agree with you like even pre you know the the trial of jesus he's not uh there there's some scholarly debate or philosophical scholarly debate um with like in particular new testament uh, textual criticism sorry nerd phrases um so what was jesus arrested and tried for there are some people uh current scholars who would say well like it was a political ideology that jesus had that was contrary to the roman um, ecosystem of of finances, of war, of militarism and politics, and then even more so, Jesus wasn't counter Judaism. He was actually trying to bring it back to uh, the the grassroots level of what, you know, being an Israelite, being a, a Jew is always meant to be. And that is a lovely sentiment, sentiment, and you can see traces of it, but the direct correlation you just don't see in the New Testament. Mm-hmm. Like Jesus is a- accused of, most regularly, blasphemy Mm. you know jesus receives forgiveness like uh um gives permission for forgiveness of sins you know which in a jewish context i mean what are you doing like agreed it's not just ideology this is blasphemy this is like not only are you standing in the way uh being a person of the way see what i did there but you're you're moving us contrary to everything that we've ever known so absolutely dan like you are a threat and a threat that must be eliminated. Yeah, you know, and same thing with the the early apostles, they 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 don't back down so to speak, but they also don't be like okay, it's our turn, like let's grab some weapons and see who fights best. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um I think it it might be interesting to ex- sort of
2: expand this question to um I guess what I see a lot of um, and I do think that there's there's places people draw inspiration for this from the Bible, but I see a lot of response in the modern context to perceived persecution. Yep. I'll just leave that where it is. Sure. Come back to that later. Yep. Is uh, a lot of anger and mm-hmm. a desire to platform. Uh, like a word that gets used often is zeal. Mm. Um, in in response to to persecution or perceived persecution. Um does that like where does that, if at all, have a place in our faith lives? Um I think like you you can look at people will always point to Jesus flipping the tables in the temple as like this is a great example of like biblical anger or uh righteous anger. Um zeal is a is a term that gets used consistently, I think, by by Paul in the New Testament. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's sort of like, it evokes kind of a similar kind of thing. Like, yeah, where, where should this sit in our, in our Christian lives? Um, how do we practice that in our,
0: in the right way? Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah. Um, there, I, there is a difference between anger and zeal. Like I see zeal depending yeah, and depending on the context, like zeal for me is like passionate intention, mm. you know. Uh, whereas anger is like the emotive response based on an inju- a perceived injustice, right? Um, that can lead to a physical response. So I, I just think it's it is where it it takes you. There are some Anabaptist theologians who would say, yeah, actually Jesus does not give anyone permission to ever be angry. Um, in your anger, do not sin. Mm-hmm. Whereas there'd also be some Anabaptist theologians who would say, "No, like as a movement, um, you know, the, the Christian movement, but also the the radical reformers were like, we are hell bent, and I say that intentionally on on injustice, right? Like we're not okay with it. It's not just passivity around, like yeah, there are poor people who we have the means to serve and care for, and yet we don't, and they die. Wow." Well, don't want to get angry at that. So what are you going to do? It's like, yeah, no. We should be zealous over mm. like what God um, has called us to, which is to seek justice, to to show mercy, uh, um, and to to care for each other, to put down our own um, wants and needs for the sake of another. Jesus boils it down to two commands: love God and love each other. If you forget everything else. The, those, that, are the two. those are the two and then paul goes further and says okay even if you can't get to the the like love god like serve one another love each other like this is mm. this is the crux of it so i still especially as an enneagram eight like i still do wrestle with my own semblance of anger mm. um when it comes to injustice right like i don't have the i wish i did and maybe i'll get there um, but I don't have the natural inclination when I see or experience an injustice to be like, Wow, well, sheesh, that was tough. Lord Jesus, uh, help my heart. You know, I'm like, yeah. I'm mad. Yeah, You know, I'm angry about it. Now, what I do with that is a different scenario. Should I, under the na- uh, in the name of Jesus, go and punch Willem out? Specific? Well, I mean, he's right there and I really like his hat and his beard. I live vicariously. Um, Or is it like, it is is the better response, and it is this one, the journey of discovery. Like even with passion in my heart and even with my language sitting down with Willem and being like, I disagree with you and this is why like I'm actually offended and and upset. We got to talk about this as opposed to, no, with all sorts of zeal, (laughs) anger, and fervor, I'm just going to exact violence on you because there's a big difference. And unfortunately- Historically, the Christian church has been very well known for the last one, not the first one. Mm -hmm. Paul actually
3: wrote in Romans, specifically, zeal and persecution. So this is from uh, Romans 12, starting chapter 9. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. So hate what is evil. Mm. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those
2: who persecute you. Yep. Bless and do not curse. Hate what is evil. Bless your persecutors. Yeah. And what is, not who is, I think, is an important, like, yeah, what can is dry with God, not, God, right? Yeah.
0: And, and Romans 12, right? Yes. Yeah. So, and, well, there you go. Think about the context, too. Romans 12 is... um. Count, like live your lives as a living sacrifice yeah right so like offer yourselves in community to the movement of jesus even to the point of death so this is a community encouragement not an individual like this isn't paul writing to like the individual believer it's the body of believers mm. who definitely are being persecuted like they under the threat of like paul is likely writing from a jail jail cell you know wanting to generate funds in order to go to spain knowing that he will face death like, it's just, it's on the list, you know? And it's interesting. He It's still not just a like, okay, let's, we understand what the Romans are trying to do. They're trying to, you know, take over their own world and make everybody more wealthy and provide aqueducts and like fresh water. You know, give them a break. Paul's like, yeah, no, 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 no. There is evil that is at work in this government and we stand opposed to it. But what do we do? Do we slay those who persecute us or do we pray for those? And bless those who persecute us. Like it's the economy of people, not the economy of power, that Paul, that Jesus, that all of the earliest uh, disciples and apostles had to learn to care more about. They weren't that way when they were along with Jesus. They're like, let's kill these yeah. homies. Yeah, let, let, let's do it. You know, Jesus like, for the love of God, <laughs> literally. <laughs> how how more? What more do I need to say? Yeah, you know. Yeah.
1: Well, and it's I love that there's somewhat of a a balanced nature of like anger can lead to passion. And passion can lead to anger, Hmm. because if if we're passionate about something and it gets questioned or opposed, that can make you angry, or that can certainly lead to discomfort or or conflict, which then can spur on further things. But what I really liked about what you're saying is when we do get angry, and I feel that we are also because he was saying you were saying that in your anger do Mm -hmm. not sin. Yeah, so. There's almost a permission there to get angry. We're almost said, yeah, you're going to get angry. That's part of life. That's part of your experience. But it's what you do with that anger. If you transition that from just anger to a passion, like when you're angry about inequality in the world or injustice, well, then that should drive your passion to serve those who are adding in. Yep. Yeah. Really well put. Reorienting that energy.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's really good. And having a short fuse too. And I don't mean like exploding on people's short fuse, but- um in your anger do not sin and then also paul says uh, uh or uh jesus sorry says um like don't don't give a long period for your anger to fester mm. you know so like don't let the sun go down uh on like deal with it quickly mm-hmm. you know whether it's address it yep yep yeah
2: that's good stuff i want to um circle back to my comment on perceived persecution <laughs> so i think um when we think about how the word persecution gets used in the modern context. Um, There are probably a number of examples we could drum up. Um, I think it's, it's a valuable conversation for us to have here to draw out and maybe delineate a little bit as to like the difference between what we see in, certainly in Paul's life and the story of the early church and what we see in like Western, our Western context. Yeah. So, um, yeah I think like maybe we could just go around and talk about like how have you heard the word persecution used in your in your life mm-hmm. in our in our context?
1: I think something to say there is just like heard it used versus whether it was accurately used can be two different things yes, yeah, absolutely uh, very much so uh and I think in like again, like you said, Western modern society, persecution can certainly be beyond just physical harm or or death, um, but it gets, I think, muddied a little bit when we get to the point of it becoming discomfort is persecution. Mm. And, and so I think it's hard because there's certain contexts where you're going to be uncomfortable, you're going to be challenged, you're going to be questioned, and that doesn't mean you're being persecuted. But it's like you were saying, Jimmy, it, there has to be some level of a shift in power dynamic and a shift in um, your own personal rights that is being abused yeah. for there to be persecution. Just because you're, discomfort, uh, or you're in discomfort or because someone questions you or is challenging your belief system doesn't mean you're being persecuted. Yeah. yeah. So, and I mean, in
0: the book of Acts, which is, by the way, if you haven't uh, been dialing into our teaching in the book of Acts, we're in the book of Acts. It's so good. You should dial in and you should read it. Um, there, There really was... Only one definition of the outcome of persecution as it related to the formation of the early church. And it wasn't like, well, this is going to be hard for me to study the word and practice my beliefs. No, you will die. The end. Mm-hmm. So, again, if we were to hop in a time machine and sit with uh, Stephen and say, so persecu- tell me more persecution, he'd be like, this can be a fast convo. It means I'm going to die soon because of my followership of the way of christ of the way of the messiah jesus yeah the end it's going to end in death what are you guys talking about oh well we're talking about like how you know sometimes we can't meet in churches when we used to be able to because of covid and that really infringes upon our rights and like our kids are learning this stuff and he'd be like aren't you guys adorable like what you think that's (laughs) Like, yeah. sure, that's an infringement maybe on your rights and freedoms, but as early Christians, we've always had that. Yeah. We've always been working uphill against an ideology and a religious framework that says you can't do that to the tune of death. Yeah. And you know?
2: It's interesting to me to kind of like play this scenario out to its end game, like in a world where uh, we are fighting actively against any level of discomfort that we have in practicing yeah. out our faith. What does that world look like, right? Because often the things that I hear get uh, thrown around as ideas are like, we need prayer back in schools is one that it just gets mm. uh, uh, parroted quite a lot. That was huge in the early 2000s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, you know, I need to be able to express my faith comfortably in any possible situation. I think we inch close and, closer and closer to some kind of like Christian... Uh, like the national like um yeah Yeah. (laughs) nationalist sort of a scenario where um faith is the cornerstone of like our society and it's almost in some ways enforced um you don't really get to create a uh Yeah, a a social experience where Christianity is accepted in every possible corner and facet. I mean, you can hold any belief. Yeah. Let's forget about Christianity for a second. You can hold any belief about anything in Western society, and there's going to be somebody that disagrees with you. The only way to ensure that nobody disagrees with you and that you're always comfortable platforming your viewpoint is to force everybody to believe the same thing that you believe. Yeah and i think that that's like that's really the danger of what it looks like to fight against uh discomfort versus like you know actual uh mm. threats of against your life or these sorts of things um and yeah i wonder whether we we really play that that scenario out to
1: to the end when we consider yeah what it would look like i mean something else to just even dive further into that is the idea of so um at least historically speaking to live out your faith means you will be pure persecuted for your faith. So then in today's society where there's less of this whole it ending in death side of it, if you're not persecuted for your faith, then are we living out our faith? Right. Yeah. And-
2: yeah, there's almost a desire to kind of um, embody what we see played out in, in the Bible. So when we read mm-hmm. verses in the New Testament about persecution, Uh, there's always an effort made on our part to figure out how that's relevant to our lives in the here and now. Mm -hmm. This is probably a really interesting conversation to just have like a longer version of is like, do we always need to find a way for scripture to relate to our personal experience? Mm -hmm. Because I think that that is kind of a very modern Christian type of thing to do Yeah, is find like direct correlation all the time. Um, I'm not sure that that's necessarily the case i
0: would agree with you well, um, a longtime mentor of mine he said years ago and i've never forgotten it when you read scripture specifically there are typically and this is his category these are his categories but i love there are three things that are happening one you're hearing the word of god for you one you're hearing the history of god uh, for for god's sake and you're then you're hearing the 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 people of god so, the individual, the, theod- the 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 theodicy, how God works and then how God works with his people. So there are some times where through scripture, and most often this is how God speaks to me. It is through the written study of the written word that's then um illuminated by the 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 divine Word Jesus, you know what I mean? Um, but I agree, like there are more often times than not that when I read the written scripture, like uh, reading Joshua 6 of the Canaanite genocide. Yes. Uh, what? <laughs> like I'm going to cut my lawn in 10 minutes. What does this have to do with? Right, right. right. You know, so it is a good category for me to be like, okay, so this is the people of God and the history of God right here that I'm reading. This is not for me. I can learn things and appreciate what this very ancient civilization was going through. But to try and extrapolate okay God, what are you trying to say to me is there anybody in my neighborhood that i should kill mm. no 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 no, no, no. <laughs> who are the canaanites in my life yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> right or even trying to like sometimes in a strangely arrogant way to put ourselves into the shoes of these early disciples apostles followers of jesus that are all going to the death and be like i get it poof I get it. Do you know that somebody argued with me about a point of theology yesterday? I get what you're going through. We don't. We yeah. don't. And so humility should be our, like, we don't live in that world or in that way. It's not the same. And that's okay. Like, we don't need to bolster up this, like, religious fervor uh, to say, well, we're persecuted and see, everybody's against us. Well, not really. And I would say in my experience recently, um, like, when I was... uh First in ministry, like apologetics were like a real big thing, mm-hmm. right? So there are lots of books written. Apologetics is just like the the defense of the faith, a critical analysis, historical analysis, um, answering the questions of like, is there a God? Does God exist? And does God care about you? Here's why, here's what, here's who, blah, blah, blah. Um, and that just seems to, it's still a thing, but in my, I feel like it's not as much of a thing. the The dialogues that I, the conversations that I have with people who are, outside of faith and have no interest are by and large now for me anyway very generous and gracious so like good for you like yeah. I, I like that for you yeah not my vibe not my thing do you you know well, yeah
2: i i relate to the uh enthusiasm about apologetics that was certainly a big part of, of my for your, journey as well mm-hmm. um i think what i found with that is a lot of it is kind of uh what i'll lovingly refer to as debate Lord tactics (laughs) where it's sort of like, it's going, I'm going to arrange my argument in a way that is really kind of hard to refute. Mm -hmm. And it works great if you're having an argument with somebody and you're trying to like prove or, or at least prevent your position from being disproven. I'm right. But I don't wrong.
3: Exactly.
2: But I don't think anybody walks away from a conversation with that kind of a conclusion and thinks, Hmm, maybe I should give this Christianity thing a try. Like (laughs) debates never really result that way. And I think we can probably all look at conversations we've had around the dinner table with family or uh, conversations we've had with anonymous people online. You know, I'm not saying I've ever done that, but well, Uh, (laughs) too soon. Yeah. Like nobody walks away from those conversations that are adversarial and, and, comes away with a completely different really? mindset. Huh,
1: that was really helpful. Really changed change my mind to Yeah, yeah. Well, it's the worst result of that. Oh, we agree to disagree. Yeah. And I, I really dislike that because it's like, why do we have to agree to disagree? Why can't we just come to a better mutual understanding that we both have different perspectives?
2: Yeah. But I think maybe where I'm going with that is just like the goal of our, uh, the conversations we have with people as it relates to faith should not be to win the argument. Mm. per se but simply to i think uh as best as we can communicate why it's compelling for us yeah i think that speaking um from our humanity and uh the way in which um yeah our beliefs connect with us deeply is far more compelling than any like Close-ended argument that uh, the other person can't really respond to. Yeah, um, and I think I think that's how God speaks to us as well. Yeah. Um, if if God was all about empirical proof of different elements of our faith, I think
1: we'd live in a very very different world. Hmm. Um, yeah, and it's indicative of the fact that we are meant to be in community with each other and sharing with one another these experiences, these stories, these pieces, so that we can get a better picture of God through one another as well.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The lived experience of a person and the power of their story is always more convincing and engaging than, you know, like a, a debate forum or a session, you know, like those are always like... Advertisements are are geared that way. It's like, I want to connect with the person that leads me to the product. You know what I mean? So I think the same is true. Like all of the, the, the book of Acts again, uh, just shows that like, in fact, it's funny as you walk through their kind of one trick pony, um, thing was they had the same kind of historical retrospective sermon. So that they always reproduce and then as you work through the book of acts like they get interrupted because it seems that and this is my interpretation that the people who are hearing it are getting bored like, eh, blah, blah, blah. so in acts chapter 10 uh, which we'll get to at a later pod but uh uh peter is giving the same sermon that he's given before right and he's at cornelius's house he's like okay i guess this is my shot i'm gonna give my sermon i practiced a lot i had 2000 converts the first day i'm killing it just killing it <laughs> yeah you know and then the holy spirit interrupts the sermon because uh, uh luke's um presentation in the end of chapter 10 verse 44 says and while he was still speaking the holy spirit interrupted things and fell upon the people and then they start speaking so peter's like but it was oh that's really it wasn't cool. done yeah. my conclusion <laughs> all right well what are you gonna do and then he doesn't argue he's like it seems that the spirit is pouring uh himself out on mm. these gentiles yeah is there any anybody that would oppose to them being baptized like that's crazy. Yeah, yeah. that's awesome. Um, I'm going to take a real left turn here. of it.
2: Conversation, uh, pulling us back to persecution. Uh, we had Willem look up some some stats for us um, because I think we're pretty well acquainted with our understanding of of uh, persecution in the Western world, but uh, we wanted to just kind of explore what does like real pers- real data. Yeah, mm-hmm. like what does persecution look like? globally uh in in our modern world does it still happen and if so where and what scale and on what scale yeah
3: yeah so i i did some digging um a resource that just kept popping up was open doors which just seems to they put out a watch list of countries that are specifically like ranked to not go to or have more risk if you're a christian real quick top 10 North Korea, Somalia, Yemen, Eritrea, Libya, Nigeria, Pakistan, Iran, Afghanistan, Sudan. None of those places, forgive me if I, you know, if I misspeak here, none of those places seem altogether stable anyways, Mm. let alone specifically for Christians. Um, But with their stats, uh, they're saying that uh, 5,621 Christians were killed Specifically, for their faith um, in this past year, um, and I think it was about two thousand churches that were burned down um
2: collectively in those regions collectively,
3: I think this is from all of their data data it says
2: yeah i I think like obviously none of us here are going to be able to speak uh with any level of expertise to any of those specific contexts and mm. Um, some, we may be more well acquainted with because of the news and all of that. But I think what we can do as Christians, um, is, I mean, the first thing probably we should always do is pray, uh, pray for the, the, the conditions of, of Christians that live in those countries, Mm. uh, or missionaries that, that travel to those countries. Um, Mm. yeah, I think that anywhere where death is legitimately a threat, uh, of people practicing their faith, hmm. um, yeah, I think is is a cause uh, cause for real concern. And um, we've talked a little bit here today about like how it is that we respond. I don't think through, it's through any of maybe the more traditional or like dramatic means that we might think of when it comes to nation states. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I'm,
3: Another thing I'd like to add, just yeah. from 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 this digging is I just looked at some of the, the big countries that you hear about, North Korea, India, China, and all of them kind of have the same theme of of there is a pushback against Western infiltration, mm, right? Yeah, so, yeah. exactly. So, uh, in India, a lot, a lot of things started after the European colonization, and then they said, nope, we're just going to, everyone be Christian now, because that's what we do. Yeah. And so, there's just a lot of pushback on that. Um, North Korea, um, it says that they have a, a freedom of religious belief. Um, they can they can hold ceremonies, they can build churches, all that stuff. Um, but it specifically states religion must not be used as a pretext for drawing in foreign forces or for harming the state or social order. Mm-hmm. So you can do whatever you want, but it just can't... Can't interrupt. Things. Can't interrupt things. And so, like, as Western Christians, I think we need to just come to terms with and understand we've moved into these places and bulldozed over culture in our name and a lot of what persecution we're seeing now is a result of that Mm -hmm. and so it's the idea of um taking the the log out of your own eye before you point out the splinter we have to humble ourselves and say you know as christians we have to take some responsibility for the harm that we've done And if we want to make things better, acknowledge that and say, we don't want to do that anymore, we want to work with you.
0: And a Mm non-binary approach to relationship, like, I agree, we can't even just in conversation with um, brothers and sisters who we disagree with and passionately disagree with as it relates to uh, the the systematization of faith. We still have to do the the work of a relationship. Like, again, coming back to a debate forum, would it ever make sense and would it ever be equitable for me to sit down with um, a brother or sister who is uh, practicing the way of Islam, who's a Muslim, and say, Hey, I just want to tell you everything you're doing is absolutely wrong or right. sinful in the eyes of God and yeah. you need to repent today. Can I lead you in the Lord's Prayer? Like, do, you, do we know any context for that? I'd be like, Yeah, thank you. Yeah. We've been waiting for that, you mm-hmm. know? Um, yeah the the religious ideologies get in our way of seeing people as yeah divinely loved bearing the image of the divine um and and worth it at least in conversation for better understanding worth it you know
1: yeah and i think with that just to say like you're saying first and foremost we have to pray on it but i think that there's there is two pieces there and i think you touched on the second piece is like prayer without action is empty and action without prayer is misguided. Mm-hmm. So with that in mind, yes, we do need to pray on it. Yes, that is something that we need to bring to God, but then we also need to approach any of these connections and interactions with that in mind so that we are taking action on and building those bridges and atoning for these things that we've done in the past.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's we.
2: There's deep scars left globally, obviously. And I think that, um, Yeah. uh, I can't say it any better than, than what Willem said. Humility, I think kind of has to lead the day. Mm -hmm. Um, yep. And, and I think in prayer also kind of looking to how, how God is looking to lead us. Um, yeah. yeah, With, with whatever steps may be next rather than kind of like resorting to our own own design.
0: Yeah. Praying like God, how do you want to change my heart, mind and outlook? And then part two god what do you want me to do yeah practically tactically physically today as a result of how you're changing my mind heart and outlook yeah yeah okay guys well i think we've really covered the gambit here to solve persecution yeah we did it done
2: dusted there shall be no more of (laughs) it um thanks so much for joining us today uh we'll see you on the next episode